Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Just a few days after the Formula One paddock departed Spa in the Belgian Grand Prix, it's all set up again as usual at Monza. Although in this most unusual of years, there's another Italian race to look forward to next week as well at Mugello. But the Italian Grand Prix is up first at its usual home and the pre-event media day took place at Monza today. There was a standard mix of pre-event noise but one proper development took place today as it was announced that the Williams family will step down from running the team it had owned for its entire existence until just a short while ago when it was sold to investment company Doralton Capital. Joining me on the podcast tonight in what is a rather eclectically decorated Airbnb in Lesmo, just a few miles from the Monza track, is Motorsport.com's F1 editor Jonathan Noble. And John, let's start with that Williams story. How big a shock, first of all, was this or was it was it was it always coming? Was it expected after the team had been sold? I think it was a shock, but partly because this is the end of the road um as a Formula One team owner and team boss for Frank Williams. I think that was more the more the surprise. Um and the way that Williams announced, they put a press release out that said Claire Williams will be stepping down after this weekend's Italian Grand Prix, which wasn't a massive shock. So, you know, Doralton, you know, want to do things their own way. They're serious. Uh, they want to come in. They want a fresh start, pushing things forward. But then Williams put a second press release out a few minutes later, um, just announcing that both Claire and Frank were, were stepping away from the team. So, I mean, that that is a proper end of an era. You know, Frank Williams, the longest... In effect, longest serving team principal, you know, one of the legends of the sport, been there through the 70s, has had tasted massive success, disappointments, a roller coaster life, a roller coaster person in Formula One who's seen it all, done it all, worked with everybody. Um, 
and for it to I think end so suddenly is more the more the surprise that that it's kind of the way it's happened so immediately was perhaps the, a big surprise too. Definitely, because the the driver spoke last weekend. Obviously, it was the first uh, first race since the sale had been announced, and they were saying that you know there's a full review happening. That's what the new owners are looking into into every little detail. So I guess it's a little bit surprising that. Claire Williams and Anne Frank as well at least they weren't they weren't going to stick around until the end of the year because you know in 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 calendar terms we're only a few months away from the end of 2020 so that just seems a little bit like oh, okay well why why would you why, why would that decision be made quite so quickly yeah maybe, maybe it's just a, a signal of Doralton's um intention to you know get moving and get things changing um you know they announced today that the directors coming in including James Matthews are you know formerly quite successful racing driver now best known in the tabloids as Pippa Middleton's husband so I think probably just want to get on with things and I think when any company kind of takes over another business or gets involved in this way it's often you know very useful to to have that line in the sand and make a break with the past and I think if maybe if they waited to the end of the year then there's not much time before the start of the 21 season and then you need to get rolling with 2022 so you know maybe this is a you know deliberate Pushed by them, say right. We need to. We need to get action. We need to do things our own way. We need to get our people, you know, their feet under the desks, and get rolling, get moving, and turn Williams's fortunes around. In a way, can you see any sort of parallels between what happened with the sale of F1 overall to Liberty Media? Because Liberty were kind of were kind of stuck a little bit with the decisions that the previous owner, the previous you know management tenure, Bernie Eccleston, what they what they you know, established for the coming years immediately when they took over. It took a while for them to stamp their own authority. And with Williams, obviously, the current car, the very real, most physical representation of what that team was all about, the Formula One car it produces, will be carried over to next year. So really, you know, you would say that the the most specific way you could judge the impacts of the new owners has surely got to be in 2022. Yeah, it, it does roll on. And I think um, I can see the parallels with you know, when Liberty took over Formula One and they um, were quite swift to move Bernie into, basically it was an honorary position and, you know, pushed into his own little office somewhere, not not heavily involved at all before being, you know, finally pushed aside at the start of this year. I think the contract ran out. Um, and it's, it's the same thing. If you want to make rapid change and it's clear, you know, Williams needed to make change. It's why they put the strategic review in the first place. You know, the team had... Um, you know, needed a ramping up of financing. It probably needed a bit of a rethink, a bit of wider, longer-term planning. Um, if you want to do those things, it's quite hard to do it if the previous management are in there and have trying to justify decisions they've made. So I think if you want a company to turn around quickly, you, you kind of clear out clear out the, the legacy of the past in some respects and you, you push on forwards. Uh, and we'll see how quickly kind of things move on. I mean, we could have a new team principal in place as early as Mugello. Yes, I think Williams are going to clarify what will be happening because you said Claire Williams remains sort of in charge of the team until the end of her deputy uh, team principal role until the end of this Monza weekend. And then, yeah, then it'll be on to to something new and and potentially some big news coming next week. Um, Is this a sad day for Formula One? You mentioned all that history Williams has got. So yeah, is it something that we should be looking back on as, ah, it's it's a bit odd that that year is over or is it look forward to hopefully what Williams can do in terms of reviving its uh, its fortunes because let's face it no one likes to see a great team struggling yeah I think think it's one of those days that's a bit mixed really so I mean there is sadness that Frank Williams you know is no longer going to be 
involved in the, the team that bears his name. That can't happen and you don't feel sadness about it because, you know, he's been, you know, a massive stalwart of the sport. Um, you know, all he's achieved and, you know, although he's not been actively, you know, working as a, a team principal as many of the current team principals work, but, you know, he's still a, he's still a figurehead, still a huge legend in Formula One um, and such a change can't happen, you know, without sadness. It's like when Ken Tyrrell stepped down. It was like when, Ron Dennis moved away. You know, these are sad days when when these iconic figures move away. But equally, you know, Claire and Frank have made the decision because they believe it allows the the new owners to do the right thing for the team. So while there is sadness, I think there's also a, a level of maybe excitement and eagerness to find out what the next step is for the team. And it's all being done to help make Williams better in the future, which is what all, you know, everyone in Formula wants to see. A strong Williams is good for Formula One. That's what the drivers are really getting at today. George Russell and Nicholas Latifi obviously asked about, um, you know, what you know what, what their reaction was when they were told. They were told this morning, Nicholas Latifi said by Claire herself, uh, revealing the news. And they were just sort of saying, well, the family must be happy that they're leaving their legacy and that, you know, that what made them famous, what made them so... So, you know, you know, what made them them, let's face it, really, the team, that they're leaving it in, in good hands, uh, what they consider to be good hands, obviously, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, so that, 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 that would just be, a, you know, a, a continuation on of uh, hopefully what they, you know, that they've seen something they like, basically, is, is what they've done in selling the, the team to this investment group. Yeah, it could have been much worse. You know, a team at the back of the grid faces huge financial problems because the prize money pot falls down, sponsors aren't so interested, um, and you can just get into this spiral of negativity um, that you know can lead to big financial problems and teams folding, or you know could have been a much worse outcome. Um, you know, in potentially a few years, we've seen teams go into administration and collapse, which would have been you know that would have been terribly sad for Formula One if Williams hadn't gone forwards. I think ideally Claire and Frank would have liked to have left Formula One as you know winners as champions, and then um, call time gone on and done something else and left someone else to take over but I think the second best option is what's happened now owners they're happy with um, they sense a, a chance for the future and they'll both be watching races at home and they'll both still be cheering for Williams so um, you know I think it's ultimately the best outcome for the team it's quite hard to gauge the answer to the next question I've got for you John because we're not we're still not allowed in the paddock um, but what have you picked up any sort of any reaction from from what people are feeling about the news that the Williams family will be gone? I know Valtteri Bottas spoke uh, quite eloquently and quite nicely. Obviously, former driver there for many years uh, in his own uh, uh, press session. So, yeah, what, what? How do you think the paddock reacted to the news? Probably the same as us, really. That, you know, that level of sadness about um, Frank Williams no longer being a part of Formula One. Um, Lewis Hamilton spoke about it tonight, and there was that great. I think we can all remember that great lap that Lewis Hamilton did with. Frank Williams as a passenger in his car um, at Silverstone. Frank absolutely loved it. You know, Frank's the you know a pure racer. You know, did everything for that team. Um, sacrificed a lot for that team, um, and I think everyone in the sport appreciates appreciates that. Um, you know, the sports had hundreds of team principals come in at various guises. Some have been very unpopular. Some have totally failed. But very few have been as successful as iconic and as legendary as Frank Williams. So I think the whole paddock, you know, feels a bit, yeah, probably a little bit sad that, you know, that time has come, but ultimately, you know, at some point a change was going to happen. 
Well, before we move on to the the second of the three topics we're going to discuss on our first bite-sized podcast of the weekend, um, I wonder if we might just indulge and enter the realm of speculation a little bit here, John. Um, who could possibly come in as the new team management? I mean, could it be honestly anyone that this company um, has headhunted or identified in terms of a good person manager? I'm thinking like Toto Wolf, for example. Obviously, he had links to motorsport from his past, but he didn't have any team management experience really when he when he took over at Mercedes. Obviously, been very successful, as George Russell pointed out today. Um, or could it be someone maybe we're already familiar with? Do we know like, like people that have been team principals in the past or have had links with the Williams in the past? Well, James Matthews got some links with the Manor team, um, which. Um, you know, was in form with John Booth and Graham Loudon. Um, we understand Graham Loudon's involved as an advisor. Um, I think he's unlikely to be to be a team principal, but could be involved in the background. And then he can take your pick of a whole host of people. I mean, we understand Toto Wolff's future is going to be clarified soon. Um, but I think it would be a huge shock if he was to announce himself as the new Williams team boss. But well, it always um, goes very well when Mercedes, uh, <laughs> uh, senior Mercedes people go into Williams, doesn't it? So, sorry, Paddy. And I guess I think a lot depends on what what the real ambition for the new owners is and what kind of timescale they're they're looking at. So, you know, do you want, do you put someone like Simon Roberts, who's joined the team on the technical front as a kind of stand-in team principal to shore up um, the technical aspects and you get that sorted before you sort your figure. A bit like McLaren when, you know, McLaren restructured an awful lot. Um, you know, Andrea Stella and Pat Fry initially sorting all this out. So they addressed those issues and then Andrea Seidel came in after his garden leave from um, Porsche was up. Uh, so we may have a may have a new scenario that, you know, they may sign somebody and there's a long period of gardening leave or maybe someone totally removed from Formula One. If you've got someone, you know, experienced like a Simon Roberts in there, um, then you may not necessarily need a also an experienced team principal. Um, I think there's endless endless options and endless names. And in Formula One, you can pretty much not rule anybody out. Indeed. Well, as we have arrived at Monza and the Italian Grand Prix weekend, it means that the uh, the reduction in the amount of en- number of engine modes the drivers are allowed to switch through in terms of qualifying and the race uh, that's been ended. They must now uh, only pick one from the start of qualifying and use it throughout the race, thanks to the new technical directive. I think it's technical directive number 37, I believe, yes. And uh, so obviously lots of drivers asked about that today because, it, of course, it, it impacts all of the power unit manufacturers. But the main sort of implication is that this is a, a move to try and slow Mercedes down. Uh, the Williams drivers reckon that it's going to have, uh, it will impact on them and Racing Point actually more than Mercedes because Mercedes is so far ahead. So even if they're pegged back a little bit in qualifying, which is where uh, Nicholas Latifi reckons that it will, you know, that's when it, it will become most apparent, but it will benefit the Mercedes squads in the race. So, you know, what what do you think we could see this weekend in terms of the impact that this will have? I think the key thing at the moment is nobody knows for sure. Um, there's been a lot of guesswork going on, a lot of people presuming various bits. But I mean, the noises you get from Mercedes is, is that um, they'll be pegged back a little bit in qualifying. Um, there's no suggestion. They don't fear that this half second advantage that Lewis had at Spa, for example, would be wiped away by this change because it's not only the, you know, it's not just Mercedes losing this special quality modes, Honda lose theirs and Renault lose theirs. Everyone everyone loses a bit, but Mercedes is probably going to lose more than the others, but it may only be make a difference of 
one temp for two temps. But if Max Verstappen is able to get close to was able to get close to Valtteri Bottas in Spa, for example, then that could that could make the difference. And then he's starting on the front row rather than the second row, so that could have an impact. But I think what's more intriguing is what difference it's going to make for the races. All the Mercedes drivers they're very bullish about um, the fact they have to run the same mode and the fact they're not now you know punishing the engine and um, pushing the reliability in qualifying means they can be a bit more aggressive in the race. Um, Bottas talked tonight that their sims suggest their race time now is quicker than it was before. Um, so I think it's going to be how how these different engine modes transpose between qualifying and the race. Um, it's all guesswork. Nobody knows. Um, but I think we'll have a very, very clear indication on Sunday night, because this is a power-sensitive track, about just what the what the impact is. And if there's any, I think, big movers since last weekend at Spa, then I think we can pretty much say that this is, you know, that there has been a, a bit of a competitive shift thanks to this rule change. Definitely. And worth keeping an eye on the Renault team this weekend. They were very good in their slippery low downforce configuration at Spa. And obviously they'll be using that again this weekend at Monza. Now, as we are at Monza, of course, I keep saying that. Uh, there we go. Um, we may as well talk about Ferrari, the home team. You know, we're in Italy. All their fans are here. We're not very far away from their from their factory, let's face it. And it was such a bad weekend at Spa, but they're still expecting another one this weekend. Sebastian Vettel said he's a bit hopeful it can be back to normal because as we said last Saturday, you know, Ferrari was just caught in a, an unbelievable perfect storm. It either tried to put on downforce uh, to help it through the corners at Spa and that knocks back. It adds on its drag and it makes the car go slower with the, with the power unit problems that they've got. This weekend... It's just, you know, it might go back a little bit more to, to normal because there's not the same amount of corners and the same amount of high downforce corners uh, at Monza. But yeah, not expecting miracles is what Charles Leclerc was saying. Um, yeah, what, what were your sense of, of, of how the team uh, how the team conducted itself today? I think realistic. Um, I think, you know, the message from them coming out of Spa was that it was an extremely bad weekend, that there's no denying um, it was much worse than expected. I think they were surprised how bad it was. Um, but equally, you know, it was mostly related to this tyre issue. They lost a bit on the straights. They're coming here knowing they're not going to be um, super competitive on the straights unless this engine mode ban causes perhaps the biggest shock by shuffling it around that dramatically. But um, I think they'll hope there's no tyre repeat and it'll be interesting. Pirelli has put the pressures up, front tyre pressures up this year compared to last year by 2.5 PSI. So, that's going to make it much harder for the teams to um, extract performance and not get these tyres to overheat. Um, so I think that'll be quite an interesting um, interesting thing to watch tomorrow in terms of how the teams are reacting to that. If Ferrari can get their tyres working and get it switched on, then I think they'll be back. They should be back in that kind of midfield pack where they, where I think realistically they are. Um, you know, probably fourth, fifth quickest team, um, depending on track characteristics and stuff. So I think if they can come out of this weekend with two cars in Q3 and a few points, I think they'll be quite satisfied with that. There's a long way to go, but I think if there's another repeat of what happened at Spa and they're, you know, scraping through Q1, I think there'll be a, a bit more of a headache at Maranello. Absolutely. Well, we'll just, uh, one, one final thing to talk about in Ferrari it was, uh, it was interesting to hear Sebastian Vettel, uh, uh, quite outspoken today in his, in his press conference about F1 needing 
to do more to help the environment. He feels that F1 should be leading the way rather than, uh, you know, just following or, or, or implementing solutions that he said, you know, are, are easy and, and maybe a little bit cheap rather than, you know, using all the expertise that the paddock has, has got to try and try and make a difference. I mean, what did you make of those comments? And because you know, it's not, it doesn't, follow, it follows on quite, you know, quite nicely from what Lewis Hamilton has been saying sort of in the last uh, last few years about, about you know, let's have a positive change and, and do do something. Yeah, Seb's one of those characters actually quite more worldly wise than we think he is. Um, when the paddock was open, um, there's often times where Seb would do a post-race, post-qualifying interview with the TV crews and would be upset at seeing lots of plastic water bottles have been left by the camera crews and be going around and picking them up and putting them in recycling. Um, I understand he's travelled some races by train to avoid flying. Um so he's he's quite aware of where things stand in in the environment. And I think he's just eager to see Formula One push on and do things that are tangible and will make a difference. Um, I think the difficulty is kind of knowing where the world is going to be in a short time. I mean, if you travel back to January this year and you st- take pictures of an empty Monza and everyone in masks, you'd have thought, "What's what's going on here? This isn't this isn't reality. This can't be happening." So the world's changed dramatically already in six, seven months. It will likely, you know, we're probably set for a lot of turmoil over the next 18 months. I mean, we may not be back to kind of what we thought was normal for quite a while yet. But um, I think he just wants it to be, re- you know, F1 to respond and push on and be aggressive and not sit back and not think that just because in 2022 we should have some exciting cars and some decent racing and a bit more of a level playing field on costs that that's the end of what Formula 1 needs to do there's a lot more that can be done absolutely well John we better leave that there because as I said this is a bite-sized podcast there's plenty of topics that went on in the paddock we'll have to test to leave it aside at this point but uh, thank you very much for your time tonight and thanks to everybody listening along now just before we go we'd like to remind you the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out today and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents as well as on the doormats of subscribers there'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday packed full of news analysis and the usual stunning photography and of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport Podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.
I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, you can get boosted deposits by 57% up to $1,000 on the Gambit DC app and up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost at Gambit DC retail locations. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.